This is uh, Joshua Bell with Kilt and the Cloth. Uh, we're continuing our Tuesday morning Bible study as we continue in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 47. So uh, part of the reason that I had to stop here uh, before we got really into these things is that um, almost every academic scholar of the 20th century will say the arrest and trial of Jesus is not accurate of the first century. So that there's a, that all of the gospel writers take a literary license to tell you what's kind of happening, but really to set it up for Jesus' death. Like that's, that's the goal. So Matthew portrays Pontius in one way, Luke portrays him a different, you know, um, I, I, I just, I have to remind us that, the structure is is messed up. So when we think of the culture at that time, you have the three percenters that would have been the Roman government, you know, and Pontius is in that. We, we can't avoid that at all. Now, he's probably in the, the third part of that three percent. You know, he's at the lower end of it. Um, but then everything underneath that, uh, they're just people stri striving to eat, okay? When you get to the Sanhedrin, this is the legal binding party of the Jewish world in Israel. Uh, the writers are taking literary license on purpose here because they are and have become completely corrupt. They, they represent uh, the high priests. They represent the, the Sadducees of high regard, uh, the Pharisees, people from the community. And the Sanhedrin, who are supposed to represent their people, have become corrupt. And they all work for the Roman Empire. So don't ever think that it's just, oh, well, they're just bad people. No, no. They work for the Roman Empire, just like everybody else does. So if you want to keep your place of power, you do what they say. For example, Caiaphas. One of the only people that we have historically that we know that's served as high priest for 30 years seven years. That's not the way that was supposed to work. It was never intended to do it that way. So obviously Caiaphas had some sort of ear with the Roman government at the time. Um, and so everything from 47 on is, is, uh, is supposed to show you the fallacy of what was happening in the first century. That it was not, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't have happened this way. It's, so it's not, and the problem with that is, is the church, us, in the 20th and 21st century is, is that we have always taught it as there's the sequence of events that leads up to Jesus' death. Sure, that absolutely is how we look at it. But the authors here are saying, look at how salacious these events were towards the end of Jesus' death. This doesn't make sense at all. This is not how we operate as a culture. Um, so from the moment he gets arrested, which is where we're starting, really, until the moment of his death, it doesn't make sense. But it does make sense that Jesus somehow transcends all of those things as the new ruler or emperor or the, uh, the people for all of God's creation. So whether he dies in the hands of humans doesn't matter. It's, it's the fallacy of how he dies that does for the writer of Matthew. So this is going to be hard. Because what we want to do 
every single time that we talk about this sequence of events of his death is we have the homogenized understanding of his death. We have Matthew's, Luke's, and John's understanding. Mark throws it out. He did this, he did this, he did this. And then he dies and everybody runs away scared. But Matthew, Luke, and John all have these interesting twists on the story. But Matthew's story is unique. And I part of what I'm hoping today is we'll pick up on some of the uniqueness. Remember, Matthew's goal is to prove that Jesus is the prophetic Messiah, the one that we've been talking about for centuries. So he's, he's going to use specific language in the, the way that he writes to prove that Jesus is this Messiah. And he has to die a certain way in order for that to happen, um, which is weird. You would think that he'd be able to conquer, right? Well, in order for this to happen, he has to have, you know, basically two, a, a physical death in order for him to be fully divine. Uh, it's weird. But Matthew has a goal here. He has a mission to get us through this. Um, and I think that's where I'm going to start. Yes, brother. Two quick questions. Is Herod left out more or less because he's Jewish? I mean, I know he's not, but it seems like we end up with Jewish side or other side. Yeah, and and, and, and they both and they and and historically the funny thing is is like you'll get more of him in Luke because he's still there. Uh, Matthew is focusing in on the the Sanhedrin. They're, these are the people that are our leaders have done this wrong. Herod, this 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 would have been Caiaphas or uh, Antipas are 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 so corrupt. That he has nothing to do with them because they work for Rome. They're appointed by Rome in order to set the Jews. I guess. Yeah, yeah, but they're supposed to represent the Jews, yeah. right? But they don't. They represent their own interests. I, I guess the reason I ask is, you know, my brain says, okay, they go to the Romans, so their hands are not dirty, and it seems like they could yeah. have the same with Herod because they. They do think very little of him. He thinks nothing of him. Pretty much. Another question is, is the Jews, and I know when these are dead, we know we've heard down the road, but Jesus is not really looking for I mean, they're embracing him at this point. Right. But a death on the cross is not what they're looking for. Now, this death on the cross thing, scholars have struggled with for a long time. Like, why, why did he have to die that way? And we'll definitely get into that. Death of any sort. I mean, they're, they're well, the, the, step on their own the death they were okay with because of the Maccabeans, right? There's a, if he dies, it'll start a revolution. We're okay if he dies, but they don't really yeah. want him to. As long as they get the end result. That's right. And the end result is the revolution that we will then take over Rome. <laughs> So, the, like, the Maccabean Revolt gives them the ability to say, oh, yeah, you remember that time that Judas Maccabeus killed all those people with a hammer? Look, Jesus died, so that means it's our turn to rise up and revolt, and, and, and there were people that did that after that moment. So they're okay with martyrs. Yeah, well, and I mean, they're not, they're, they don't exactly know how to deal with it. They just, they're like, well, okay, there is that port camp. Then there is also the camp that have this problem that, he didn't physically kill everybody. You know, why did he not 
why did he let Rome Rome uh, go free? And and then the the mystics of that time would say, but did they actually go free? Because at that moment of his death, they, he became the thorn in the side side of the Roman emperor forever. He literally became the thorn in the elephant's foot. Right. So there's nothing that they can do. They're always going to walk uncomfortably. Then there's the camp that says something completely different. This is the end of the time, the end of the age. God is going to wipe us all away. And it's all we're all going to die. Literally all at the same time that there's these other two camps. Today is the day that we're all going to die. Apocalyptically. We killed God's son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if the world ends today, God wiped away the earth. But at the time of Noah, it's time for us to do it again. So there's a little bit of this, all three of these camps at the same time. And Matthew's struggling with this. Our religious leaders have become so corrupt that they don't even remember Torah. But they tell us what Torah is supposed to be. Uh, Matthew is saying it's time for us all to go, you know. And at the same, same time, by Jesus' death, he does cause a revolution. Also, at least far enough away, they can, they can step back. Yes. I mean, they, they can see what's happened since. The destruction of the temple has happened. They're seeing all of the residual effects of his thorniness in the elephant's foot. By the time that this is being written, Matthew has seen all of the things that Jesus' followers have done. To cause strife for Rome. Sorry. No. Sure. Yes. Were the Israelites somewhat happy? Did they see a correlation because of hundreds of years before they always want to keep even though God didn't want to give them a key. Sure. <laughs> so do they do they Morally, the Roman Empire coming in to take over making as yeah he was so Rome so Rome <laughs> becomes another empire that takes them over so in the history before that so if you go from Saul on right Israel gets taken over by some other power over and over again so there's the Babylonians there's the Persians there's the Assyrians now here's Rome yet once again and the goal then becomes, as Jews and under captivity, we know that God will deliver us at some point. That's the whole, the whole idea of the Hebrew Bible. God will deliver us at some, if we follow Torah. Until we follow Torah collectively, we're not ready. So then Jesus comes and then says, Torah really should go this way. And the hope is that Matthew is saying Jesus is challenging our beliefs in the Torah so that we can yet once again be delivered from another empire, and this time it'll be the last one. And that's, and that's the struggle. So uh, no, it's, these are good questions because it makes sense then, because everything from here on until the end of the book is just kind of like, wow, look at the human fallacy of this moment. Why would that happen? Well, there's a human component to this. Jesus has to be one of us, according to Matthew. And, yeah, Luke. 
Uh, Mark, not so much, but Matthew definitely. You, you've got to. He's got to be one of us. Uh, he's got to be not a not a, not appointed, but created by God, because he can't. We can't deal with it. Does that help? I didn't want to make sure I, I did go around in a circle, but okay. So let's do the arrest and the betrayal. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him with uh, was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. Is it Rabbi? It's Rabboni? It's Rabbi, period. Rabbi, okay. And kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, what's the friend there? All right, there should be another one uh, later on. I'm going to ask you if okay. they changed the word. Okay. Uh, then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Notice it says they. This is the Israeli police force, for lack of a better phrase. This, I just want to help you with this part of the discussion. It's not Roman soldiers. Uh, then they came and laid hands on him and Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Huge theological statement there. Uh, it kind of answers a little bit of Robert's question at the beginning. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more, more than 12 legions of angels? Again, legions being a Roman term that they all would know. Uh, but once, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled which say this must happen in this way? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures that the prophets, scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Now, is that the way you remember this story? What's ran off? Okay. What about the person, the sword? It's the name later. Yeah, it's always Peter. We've heard all of the horse gospels, and we just put them in a big mixing bowl and mix them all up. Yeah. You know, we know this. It's but, in there, but you don't taste it, you know. It doesn't make people. So we go to where it does make people. It doesn't put the cedar back on. So we go to the part. That we remember. Yeah, and it's got and it's got to be that way for our brain in order to because we don't like holes. <laughs> we just our brain does not like that, so we want to connect these dots. But what what would be Matthew's focus then here at the at the arrest? Twice he says disciples deserted him. Prophets might be fulfilled. Yes, so the prophets might be fulfilled. This has to happen this way. Also, so I've been teaching. Oh, I've been teaching. This is coming. 
I did not see night. That's why I was taking very close attention close attention. As the others it's in the dark of the night we're knowing the sequence happening or that's what I was it, well and that's and that's right before that. So there's the, the praying at Gethsemane, the prayer at Gethsemane that that's why we automatically assume night because it's in the evening and they're sleeping. But even then it's the same day as the last person. Yep. In that okay. so I heard someone one time talk about the uh, Seder feast and that in in having the Seder feast which we didn't know Jesus' last supper was, we start off with a full glass of wine. Pieces of victory, they picked four, four glasses of wine. So they're all a little uh, mellow. That's uh, sure. And they're falling asleep in the garden. Yeah. Right. I've heard that before. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jake's friend. Of course he did. And that's why I was asking her about the yeah. the friend, because it's that's a literal, like, that's your friend, like your person. demonized Judas and I've always thought he got the short end of the stick. Somebody had to do it. Sure. And and Matthew says this had to have happened in order to fulfill what was foretold. Like that that's a big thing for Matthew. Now Lou struggles with this language, but yeah. I, I kind of look at him that in this whole thing Jesus is the only one that had a choice. He let, I mean, he gave that back to God in the end. Oh, I mean, thank you for saying that because he even proves it here. If it was, I, I can call 12 legions of angels and make this all go away. I can't do that in this moment. Matthew, Matthew says this. Again, none of the others really put a focus in on Now, Matthew, I love how Matthew um, makes this beautiful 12 legions of angels can come down from heaven and, you know, I love that imagery, but none of the other guys, they were like, well, I could stop it if I wanted. No, Matthew's specific. And that's definitely writing to us, not to the people who are standing around. Yes, yes, it's definitely writing to us, not the people standing around. Because, well, after this all happens, they run away. I think it's kind of ironic when, he's, when Jesus says, put your sword away. People who live by the sword will die by the sword. And he didn't lift a finger and die anyway. Yes, that, and, and who lives by the sword? The soldiers yeah. and Rome. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting that you know you, you think that Jesus is maybe the Israelite or the Jewish people, and these people coming to arrest Jesus is Rome. They come in, you know, he's been. It's a lot. Okay. No, but I mean, it's a coalition. Coalition. Mm -hmm. You know, that Rome comes swooping in and going to take over the country and do this and this. And this. Also saying that I would say almost everybody knows what they've been in the church of God. You die by the sword. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's probably what it was. I'm curious. What would you what you find? Was it a John? Um, I was I was looking through Luke and John. One of the reasons we think it was night is because in John it says that they came with lanterns and lamps. And also, John is the one that says Simon Peter. That's what the, 
I didn't think Luke did. I, I, yep. That's right. John is the, the sermonator. He's putting it all together so that we all understand that this is exactly how it happened. He probably did that. Well, he does that a lot. If, if, we, if we fill in the blank, we won't do that. He straightens us out. That's right. That's right. So let's keep going because this, this, gets, uh, this gets really weird. Yeah. In verse 51, it's well, my Bible says, but that one of Jesus' companions reached the sword. So, is that how the disciples? We don't know. We don't know. Okay. Matthew doesn't give us that answer. And that's mm -hmm. where John says, John says. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm going to take a second. This is a great question. So, that there's, there's a lot of, for Matthew, the focus has to be he's getting arrested. Judas is going to betray him. It has to be this way in order for the prophecies to be fulfilled. In the midst of that, somebody is going to act like a human being. Pulls out a sword. Notice that it says companions or disciple. Why would they carry swords? And how are they able to carry swords? And they just come from separate and sleeping. They have a right. sword all the time. Right. They carry a sword. Ever. And then all of a sudden, that's right. You can't carry a sword unless you have the ability to carry a sword. They're fishermen. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like Judas Yes. Yes. In, in all of historical understandings, Judas, out of all of them, probably, because he's the, the guy that holds the money. He's got to be able to protect himself, right? Nope. Some Somebody, according to Matthew, has a sword. And the point of it is, that whole story is to set up those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Brilliant writing, right? Just brilliant. The twice they know. Right, priest. I mean, oh, yeah. They're, they're, he's telling you. Yeah, he's, this, he's telling you that this is the, the Jewish uh, police force. The high priests are the only ones that have the ability to send them to arrest anyone. Now, here's where it's going to get, here's where it's going to get weird. This next part. So those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death, but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at least two came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you. From now on, you will see the Son of Man, listen to that language, seated at the right hand of power and, the, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the, the, this, I mean, that's directly from the book of Daniel. I don't remember what chapter or anything, but Seven, thank you. It's all Daniel, uh, which coincidentally was written not that far uh, removed from this. Like Daniel is one of the older, the younger books uh, of the Hebrew Bible. So uh, also written in Greek, big deal. 
<coughs> then the high priest came, tore his clothes. He has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his uh, blasphemy. What is your burden? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Okay. So let's let's talk about this. Back when it said council, yes. the, word, the word is Sanhedrin. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. The council should be Sanhedrin. Uh, that is the appropriate translation. And that matters, right? So now you've got, in Greek, you've got the actual, this is the group of people that are supposed to be leading us, and they're taking us astray. Okay, so the mock trial here. You can have witnesses against you, but you also have to have witnesses for you. It also has to be a public forum. It's not something that you can do inside someone's home. There was a place and uh, that they were allowed to do that, and it had to be public especially if they were being tried for heresy or blasphemy. Um, that's, big, that's a big deal. So is this the next day? Is this still? It's still on the same evening. Okay. Yeah. So it's still set up. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it, Matthew does a really good job <laughs> setting this all up so that it's all happening on that one. For us, liturgically, it'd be Thursday. So Was there a reasoning for them doing all this at night so they wouldn't have such crowds? Or was there yeah, any significance to that? Yeah, Matt, Matthew's trying to set it up that they're they're manipulating the system, and, and if the if, if Caiaphas says it, everybody has to follow it. So Caiaphas is setting up this mock trial of the people that arrested him and these false witnesses. But look at how weird the testimony is. They won't lie. Huh? The his general assembly won't lie. That's right. I mean, they're <laughs> they had to go find. Two that I'm sure that were paid. They probably did hear what it said. Well, look at the false witness, the, the statement. Okay. He said he's going to tear down the temple in three days and build it back. Does he say that word? Yeah, build it back in three days. He did say that. He's talking about himself when he said that. Exactly. So he said those things, but. They twisted around and make it seem like. I mean, we've never seen that happen in our world. That's why I don't watch news. No, I mean, I'm just saying, this is, this, is, uh, this is not a new thing. So, I'm going to go out a little bit here. Why does God need to have somebody defend or kill Jesus for last week? That's a good question. Sonny. <laughs> so without me going off on a huge rabbit trail, because it could go very fast. Matthew is writing like a Hebrew Bible prophet. And God is in the distance. This is happening to a prophet. Make sense? Scott could have stepped in millions of times. Well, thousands of times in the Hebrew Bible. Right? God could have stepped in thousands of times. But the prophet had to get Israel to make their own choices. It doesn't help if God does it for us. I just, I guess, I'm, I'm after Caiaphas here. Yeah, I mean, you know. how is it that Caiaphas has the power to do this? Well, we have instances of that all the way through the Hebrew Bible where somebody that's in leadership will take advantage of the people. And, and, well, uh, you look at the book of Esther, 
uh, for example, you know, um, Esther's uncle Mordecai is is this guy that's very solid in his faith, but then that what's his name, uh, the bad guy, Haman. Haman comes in and starts to take advantage of this, lifts all this stuff up, figures a way out to get them all killed, put their heads on pikes, and then God intercedes. But God's voice is never heard throughout the whole book of Esther. It's just people living their life. So I think Matthew, just to, in, a, in a way to try to help answer this question, I think Matthew is mirroring some of the stylings and writings of like Esther. God's voice doesn't have to be heard here anymore because Jesus is the voice of God. Yes, I'll, I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't always do good with, with him having that. Right, right. And David, David was fully human. I was. No, I saw it a slightly different way that he really is trying to be Thank you. Under Roman rule, there's a there's a responsibility that Caiaphas has. He has to lead the entire people of Israel, and what Jesus is being say, saying has been saying is contradictory to what he is teaching. Um, so yeah, Caiaphas is not necessarily the bad guy here. And he's the bad guy. Back to Judas. Yeah, yeah. So Judas does what his he's it's been foretold. Like that's what's gotta be. There's gotta be somebody. Back to Jesus Christ Superstar, the song where Jesus is with the saints. I don't think it's a lamb for Right. And I think that Jesus Christ Superstar itself takes a lot from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, well, the majority of it. And I think that's part of the problem is, is that like we're having this discussion is all of us in this room, whether we want to or not, know all four Gospels. You know, and, and for us to look at one Gospel all by itself, it's really hard and complicated because it, it, there's holes. There's holes in the story. That's right. Well, you know, but that was Simon Peter. Yeah, I know. That's what John says. But <laughs> but Matthew and Luke don't think that, you know. That's not how that works. So, that's what you say. It makes you not necessarily appreciate, but you certainly look through to Judas through a different way. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't, isn't angry. Like, you know, in the other stories, the way that we've always taught it, Jesus is like, you go do what you need to do. And there's just like this disconnect. But even in this story, uh, Jesus even, uh, he, said, he even calls him his friend. You know, like this is, so Matthew leans a little bit on the side of Judas. I wouldn't say that he's comfortable with it, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not the way that we normally teach it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, see, I, I love how the fact that you caught that. Even knowing that Judas was going to do this, even knowing that Peter was going to do that, he still washed their feet, still included them in that supper, uh, still treated them as if they were uh, his friends, you know? What if you were to teach to love your enemies? To love your enemies. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, I really believe that Jesus does that. Let's keep going because uh, I, I want. I, there's a lot I want to get to, and we got uh, a little bit of time left. Um. So now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, "You also were with Jesus the Galilean," but he denied it before all of them, saying, "I do not know what you were talking about." When he went out to the porch, notice that they're still inside the house, right? They're still inside. In the yard. In the yard. Oh, yeah, over by Caiaphas's place. Uh, he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. But when he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him and said, and she said to the bystanders, this is the man, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Notice the name, name has changed. Went from a region to a city. Now, again, he denied it with, with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, a certain by, well, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Um, then he began to curse, <laughs> sailor, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Yep, there it is. So there's, there's a, and, 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 and Matthew's focus is, this is all happening. This is all happening in one evening. Um, and then chapter 27 begins. But I just want to pause on this Peter's denial of Christ. Notice that it talks about the region of Galilee. And it talks about it being specifically from Nazareth, which he's not technically, right? He was raised there. He was Born in Beth Bethlehem. Well, we know at least Joseph was, because that's where he ends up going back to. They end up moving to Bethlehem because somebody's from from that area. Because because they were doing the census and they were at the house of David, and that was All the city. city. So they had. To but I, I thought both parents Yeah, so the, the, the problem that we have with this is there's a couple of things historically that happened in the first century that we have no record of, like this census that was taken for people yeah. to go to the house of faith. We have, no, we have no record that that ever took place. The only place that you see it is here, and Romans kept really good paperwork, so for that to be said, it's an interesting dialogue for that to say, well, he's from Galilee, which coincidentally, Nazareth is on the side of it. Like it's on the other side of the lake. There's a little city over here, and there's Nazareth. I forget that map, but I'll do that later. So, and then, and then, and then Bethlehem is like several kilometers to the south. Like it's it's way away from. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and that yes. Uh, today, 
Yeah, there's the Israeli side of Bethlehem and then the Palestinian side of Bethlehem. Yeah, there's two two Bethels. Bethlehem, yeah, no, it's it's literally it's the same place. Um, so there's a so he gets called Galilean, then he gets called a Nazarene, Naz from from Nazareth, and then they they call out Peter because of his dialect, his accent. Uh, evidently, they spoke different in Tiberias. That's where he's from. So they're not that far away. No, I mean it's 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 weird that they said that's why I was yeah, making. Yeah, we're not that far from Indiana, though. You can't even understand them. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> there is that is true. That is there's. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting that they did that. Okay, here's where it gets weird. Before we begin, we have to get this out of our heads. The Sanhedrin cannot sway Rome. There's no way. There's no how. We've been taught our entire lives that the Jewish Sanhedrin swayed Pontius Pilate. As many times as I can say this until I die, that's literally like saying a flea moved an elephant. It, it doesn't work that way. Pilate. Oh, you're fine, Jim. So the... The, the biggest problem that we run into is this, this idea that that's possible. So before we get into this, this mock trial of Pilate, uh, Pilate has his own history, and he's kind of fascinating and how he does things. But Jesus being brought before Pilate, the Jewish culture cannot execute anybody without Rome's approval. Right. Right. Anybody. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if, if they want to or if they have probable cause. Rome are the, uh, the executioners. So the Sanhedrin can bring a insurrectionist to them and say this person spoke against Rome. Because that's really all Rome cares about. Um, and they could be killed. But I want you to pay attention to that as we go through this story. Because Matthew... Has a different twist. So they have to say something against Rome. They said something against another country here in the Middle East or whatever sure. that Rome might own. Nope. They wouldn't care. No. As long as it's not against Rome. It's got to be against Rome. It's got to be against the, they. They have to choose to not pay taxes to Rome. I mean, they, they've got to be rallying uh, riots and. Like I said, insurrection is the, the theme on which they have. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, somewhere in all of this, Pontius Pilate representing Rome has to care. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, they're... he has to actually think that this is ma this matters. Yeah. And just think of that while we're going through this. Of lesser people. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, the fact that they're speaking to him is already weird. So, because he, he wouldn't have spoken. To them, it would have been one of his lessers. So when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Now, Matthew adds this story. 
When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See it to yourself. See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is, lawful, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are indeed bread money, you know, even though they said that. After conferring together, they used to buy a potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. That then when then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of one whom a, a price had been set. Uh, that's not right. And they gave them the and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Uh, that should really, that's not how Jeremiah says it. Uh, it's, they, they buy this place and, 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 and God gives them this field. Um, anyway, so it's, it's a weird translation. Interesting. It's the chief priest now, are they? A part of the Sanhedrin. Okay. Yeah. So the same people that he, he betrayed, they've already handed off Jesus, so now they can't do anything. So they're the ones that gave him the coins. Yep. He tries to give it back to them. Yep. And then and they think it's that blood money, we can't take it back. So what's the deal with that? Literally what it says. We can't handle money that's been used to pay for somebody's debt. They're the ones that came out in the first place. But their hands are washed once it's left their hands. <laughs> no, that was, that was, what's the big deal? They're the ones that did it in the first place. No, that's 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 the now you're starting to catch it. There's this fallacy of why why would you do that? It's yeah, you see, you, you see how yes. Matt, Matthew yeah. is definitely wanting you to understand that this whole thing doesn't make sense. And yeah. then the fact that this uh, is hanging himself, that's also not normal. Like, that's, that is not something that would have happened. Um, this is a big deal. Um, and, the, and the writer is really wanting you to understand how, how weird the story is. So the declaration that he has sent is that asking for forgiveness just acknowledging that he shouldn't have done that. It says he repented. Yeah. Before he, he sins. He turns to points four says, or says, repented, and I says, I have sinned. So I'm afraid he missed, but. Well, it says. Jesus, the one betrayed him, that he was condemned to die, having repented, then he returned the money, and then it says, I have sinned. So it says, but. Oh, interesting. Well, I think that's a Matthew text, Matthew moment. Um, and, and this is all leading to, even though he hung himself. Which evidently didn't. If you say that's not what they would have, what he would have done. 
I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a weird. They didn't do if they wanted to get that sense. Well, they didn't have to worry about that. I mean, this, if, if God would have struck them down like this, this oh. so there's this. So Jesus would make God. Yeah. Some other way. And take everything about this story goes against Torah. Yeah. Like the Jews. <laughs> yeah, for lots of reasons. Like uh, the sin in Hebrew is kata, you know, that's the, I've missed the mark. And then he can repent for that. But in order for him to repent for that, there has to be a blood sacrifice. He can't sacrifice himself because he's a human being. The Jews don't believe in human sacrifice. Yeah. So for him hanging himself, it doesn't do him any good. So take some animal to the priest. That's right. And so what he does is he gives the money back to the priest, thinking, oh, that, that'll uh, uh, you know admonish my sin. Well, no. And, and at the end of the day, the, the most important thing to remember in the Hebrew Bible, a sin is, this is the part that our whole culture has wrong. A sin is when we miss the mark means that we played God. If I kill somebody, if I worship another being, I am playing the role of God. I can take and destroy life just in the same way. That's embedded deeply within their culture that this sin is when I play God. That and, and sin in Hebrew is not in the Adam and Eve story. It's in the Cain and Abel story. When Cain kills Abel, he takes on the role of God. Now, as a culture, for thousands of years, we've literally been taught, well, when Eve eats the, the apple, that's the original sin. No, the original sin in Hebrew was this when Cain plays God. Eve did what humans do. Adam does what humans do. But they didn't play God. Augustine, by the way, is the one that creates that as the original sin. Because he didn't like women. <laughs> like, and he is very adamant about that. Women are the devil. They bring, they bring nothing but bad, bad news. So Adam would have been fine. That's right. Adam would have been fine if he hadn't been there because she tempted him. So there's the original sin. So Augustine is the one that creates this language for original sin. So the Hebrew world, that's, yeah, I would, I would fall to my death arguing with somebody about original sin. It's not Adam and Eve. It's about Cain and Abel. The word kata doesn't even come in Hebrew until Canaan. So even the Hebrew culture argues with this. You restrain yourself very well. I'm trying. It's very hard. But at the same time, I don't want to I don't want to mess up people's <coughs> upbringing in the midst of that. There's this 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 uh, I know that we've all been taught the original sin is Adam and Eve. But look, if if you here's my proof. That original sin has nothing to do with Adam and Eve. Judas's sin is he played God. He made it so that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was going to die. Just re, re emphasizes what I'm saying. He can't Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. They may not follow the rules exactly, but they're, they're at least the ones that follow the They're not going to get that far out. Yeah. So here's, here's Matthew's proof that if I was saying all of that stuff I just got done saying on my little soapbox, this is Matthew's proof that Adam and Eve's choice wasn't the sin. It's when you play God. And look at his language. It is sin. 
right? In the Greek, it's the word sin. I don't remember what that word is. It's not sin. I can't do a, a rough page in front of another consonant. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's and that's that's sin. So the, and that's a Greek understanding of the word sin, and, and that's the same idea. So Matthew's sin here is, is that Judas betrayed God and all of his people. That's sin. You see, so this is this is your proof. And when people push you and they say, "Oh well, it's not," it's, no, no. Look, even Matthew says, "Sin is just when you play God." We don't have time for those moments. Augustine created that in the way of bringing order in the midst of chaos. And again, he didn't like women. And you read all of his stuff, Augustine's stuff. He's just anti-women all over the place because they were temp temptresses in his mind. And um, so this this is a this is a this is a problem. But at the same time. We have, uh, there's your proof. Matthew believes the sin that I'm portraying to the top, the candidate sin. In the potter's field, that's just, just language. Just filling in the prophecy. Yep, from Jeremiah. Because Jews wasn't today before. Right. right. I mean, no. Uh, couldn't offer the money to God, but they could use it to buy this field. Yeah. This cemetery or whatever. You see, this is weird. Yeah. It doesn't make sense why they did that. Sure. I mean, he's, I mean, surely there would be a way to take care of him. But again, somebody doing that for them was not an athlete. It happened. You know? If that's if that's your only choice and starving to death, it's just a thing. So the whole story is weird. The whole thing is weird, except for the sin part. And I never meant to get on a soapbox, but because I got to get to the the meat here before we finish today. Um. So now, now Jesus stood before the governor. The governor asked him, "Are you the king of the Jews?" Jesus said. You say so. Smart answer. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to single a uh, single charge. So that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted at that time. They had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas? The interesting name, right? Uh, or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Is that what it says? Or the Christ? Christ. For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. 
Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Christos. Uh, all of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Um, I'm going to go back to Dr. Carter here. He says, uh, verse 15, there is no historical evidence for this practice at Passover, though it appropriately expresses the significance of the festival of liberation. Governors could exercise discretion and release prisoners. Josephus reports that the governor of Judea in 62 to 64, Albinus, released many brigands. Uh, whenever historical factors and narrative turns, the scenes further expose the injustice. Pilate carries out the whims of the crowd manipulated by the religious elite. Okay. So, um, then there was the other part that I wanted to read. Okay. Then verse 19. Uh, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said word to him, the timing is important. The life and death decision process is still underway. His wife's testimony offers pilots, pilot another chance. Uh, pilot's location and posture are rich in irony, blah, 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 blah. Um, her appeal to a dream echoes the birth story in which dreams reveal God's will, God's, guard God's purposes, and guide appropriate behavior. The dream comes from God. Its testimony to Jesus' innocence underlines Pilate's guilt and effectiveness. She suffers many things because of the dream, though the narrative does not specify them. In contrast to the male Jewish religious and political leaders, it is a Gentile woman who gains more insight into Jesus. Women generally in the passion narrative are more understanding and loyal than the males. Pilate's wife, like Judas, attests Jesus' innocence and righteousness. Um, and then, which it, and then he says another link would be the opening of comparing Nero's wife Papea, who pleads with Nero on behalf of the Jews that we also read in Josephus. So there's a an interesting dialogue that takes place there, and then I'm going to finish this last part because this is the part that I really wanted you guys to hear. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather than that a riot was beginning. Listen to that language. That a riot was beginning. He took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it to yourselves. To yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Pilate washes his hand implicate and implicates himself further. Uh, his futile attempt to wash away his responsibility and transfer it to the people made it reflect Deuteronomy chapter 21, where it provides a hand-washing ritual by which people declare they are not responsible for a death. Um, Greco-Roman talks about this. Um, Roman justice, and the idea is basically that Roman justice is all washed up. It is not exonerated, but exposed as expedient, allied and co-opted by the religious elite to manipulate a crowd to accomplish its own ends. And with that, we will push pause until next week.
this is what he this is where we're going to start next week this is all the seven points that he brings out that i really wanted us to talk about today so when it says it hands over he's just he's not handing to the crowd yeah he's no. releasing his responsibility and yeah kind of just back to the hand washing now he's just re-emphasizing mm -hmm. that i'm handing yeah it's, it's no longer my responsibility but yours which is kind of cowardly <laughs> yeah and he's giving him to the romans and telling them they're crucified so it's not really yeah that's fine i mean really i said it sounded like he's giving it to somebody but... nope he's sending him back to his soldiers so we'll we'll pick up there next week. Um, so we'll stop the recording.